And this is an extended version of the Overboard Show brought to you live from Palma de Mallorca. This morning we are joined by Captain Ian Flockhart. Good morning, Ian. Good morning. How are you today? You good? Yeah, fine, thank you. You sustained an injury to your hand from a... I did, a very, a very minor one. <coughs> well, so that's a topic for another day. <laughs> Ian, yeah. last week we were talking with you about younger crew, <coughs> you know, the millennials and looking at the challenges that the younger crew have and the things they need to take note of. And we're moving to the other side of the scale today and looking at the older captains and the challenges they are facing. Now, you've written quite extensively about this recently. Um, and yeah, I think this is a very valuable point and has certainly been brought up with the older captains we've been talking to over the past couple of years. They've found it increasingly difficult, despite their experience, to find work. So can you fill us in? Because you started this discussion actually with an article um, a while back about age, aging captains and their experience. Yes, I did. Um, I wrote um, in middle of January, I wrote an article um, which started off because it was actually the 10-year the anniversary of um, US Airways Flight 1549, which is, as you all probably know, was the one that was very skillfully um, controlled ditched into the the hudson river a lot of parallels i think he's actually sorry, become sorry just um came up in the news yesterday that he's now been appointed as the head of the faa in america uh, trump has has given him the job as head of the head of the airways okay that's interesting i didn't i missed that in the news yesterday <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I, I, I quite often draw parallels between the commercial airline industry and the kind of the upper end of the, the maritime industries, because I think there are a lot of similarities. Um, so I, I, I wrote this article, which opened in quite quite a level of detail about the events of that day uh, and how how successful it all turned out, given what the, the alternative result could have been. I got a very interesting reply from a reader, which I'd actually like to read out now because I think it's very relevant. It's what prompted me to write the the follow-up article, which was very extensive, almost about 6,000 words. Uh, this came from someone who identified themselves to me but wants to remain anonymous. Uh, so if I can start just by reading his reply to that original article about aging captains. It reads, I fully agree with you, Ian, and I think that experience is invaluable. What I would say is that there's probably a case of taste your own medicine within your well-written article. How many candidates do captains just disregard their CVs from older and experienced crew looking for jobs? It's because they don't look right. I'd like to hear your thoughts and I remember at Mets three years ago, there was a talk given on the subject of aging captains struggling to find work. Whether it's right or wrong, it might be what goes around comes around. And I'll finish by saying I would much rather work for a safe, knowledgeable, grounded and experienced captain. So this, I thought, was a, a very interesting reply. And it's what prompted me to go on to write a very detailed article about the very subject of more experienced crew um I would, the, the sec the follow-up article kept away from captains it was specifically about crew because i'd already said my piece about um said my piece about captains so this is how we got to um the, you know the stage of this this follow-up article which has been quite interesting and received as well right and so the the feedback um i i take it even just looking at your responses to posting up last night on LinkedIn about this interview coming up today. You are not alone in looking at this issue, and it is an issue for more experienced captains and crew. I, I certainly know quite a few who, as they got older, found it increasingly difficult to find work. But you kind of have some particular pointers on, on why it's a struggle, too. Yeah, I mean, I've a, a lot of this, you know, I've got a, a great personal interest in this at the moment because I've been out of work for a long time myself, which has given me a lot more time to write about these things. Um, I think that one of the one of the, the main issues, if we look at the if we look, shall we say, at the younger people at the moment and just I'll, I'll keep this bit brief, but the general 
level of life experience that your average young crew member has when they join yachting is very, very limited indeed. And even if they go on to become senior crew at a relatively young age, they're still going to have a very limited general life experience. Their experience will have increased, but it will only be really related to the environment that they are working in. Whereas with a lot of older crew, they quite often bring a lot of life experience to the project before they even start getting involved in the maritime industry. Okay. I, I found, <clears throat> excuse me, I found in, in especially through the radio, uh, one of the, the questions that we always pose to people, because we try to get the um, bit of background about the person, not just about the job they're in or the company they're working for. And I think that there's, there seems to be two streams. You've got those that come into the industry, they, they've gone through school, they've heard about the, the super yacht world, um, and they really see it from two perspectives. One is the kind of Hello Magazine, gloss, billionaire lifestyle, and possibly having a watch below decks think, oh yes, this is champagne and jacuzzis and we'll live on a, on a super yacht. There's the other school that comes through sailing clubs from a young age. They start in dinghies and they emerge, you know, they kind of grow into the industry. Um, uh, so I, I don't know what the point, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure the point I'm making, but do you, do you think that makes a difference in, uh, in crew from your experience in hiring people, whether they just come from school, do the um, get their ticket and get it straight onto a boat versus going through sailing clubs and emerging that way? Absolutely. I think it makes a very significant difference. Um, my own personal circumstances, I think we touched on this last time, um, I was... I was 30 before I really even got into this industry and I was also a very experienced 30 year old at that I'd done an awful lot with my life at a young age so I, I entered the industry with a great deal of experience and I came from that very background that you just mentioned there um, I you know I I grew up sailing on the west coast of Scotland and it was only later you know when I reached kind of my about 30 that I even realized this that we our industry existed as it is to me sailing was small boats cruising you know on a sort of global basis that's what i did and i think that people that have come from that are considerably more grounded in many ways and will go on to make um, better long-term crew members than those that have come in um it, it, it seems very common now and again we, we touched on this last time the people that come in you know, not long after school, maybe they take a gap year, they've heard all about yachting, attracted by the big salaries, etc. They go to one of these sort of accelerated learning places. And, you know, then they're in the industry very soon after that. And I'm, again, I'm not being critical of those types of organisations. But I think the the, the type of crew that we get in the industry, it does come at a cost in the long run because they, they are entering with, you know, almost zero life experience. And I think it's very important that people should have that in the industry. The thing is, you opened up with uh, talking about the similarities between airlines and airline crew and the super yacht industry, which actually resonates with me because one of the things that... I think there's an expectation, talking about airlines, there's an expectation that I've had, I suppose, since, since being a young lad, was um, air hostesses. Been, or air, air hosts. Well, air hosts. Well, I'm, I'm sexist gonna, about it. I'm not, I don't mean, mean to be sexist about it, but I'm, I'm going to talk from a blokey perspective that you grow up and there was the thing of the Pan Am air hostesses or whatever. So they were always symbolic of glamour of beauty and there was an expectation that air hostesses were always young and very attractive ladies in lovely uniforms and over the last 10 years or so um, there's been a change in that where you're seeing especially with Aer Lingus you'd see the air hostesses being a lot older <clears throat> and that always gave me a moment of pause of like oh that's unusual because there's the expectation of, of youthfulness. Bringing that into the super yacht world, I can, to a degree, understand from the owner's perspective or the, the, the hiring person's perspective that 
the client facing or the owner facing crew members, the interior crew, you perhaps would go for the more, I'm not saying this is right or wrong, the more aesthetically pleasing, shall we say, younger looking crew members. But from senior crew, from the, the bridge crew, what's the driving forces there in being ages? Because I would have thought as an owner or uh, an owner's rep or the management company that ultimately hire the captain, that they would look more, because you're looking at a very expensive asset here. You're looking at a, a, a 50, 80, 100 million yacht. Why are they not going for the experience? Because surely that's what I'd want managing my asset and managing my crew. You would like to think so, and I would completely agree with you. Uh, just to go back slightly, I, I covered um, the the thing about the, the airline crew in the article that I wrote. Uh, some airlines are a lot better than others in terms of the fact that they seem to very much hire experience um, or keep people on board for many, many years. British Airways is a, is a very good example. Um, so I think that is a very interesting point. You look at some of the airlines now, they have people on board and you're like, hmm, how would they deal with things if they went very badly wrong here but some airlines do do still seem to retain the crew you know and it is a full-time career for them in that they you know they can they can have a lifetime job as it were um regarding why owners would not want to have the most competent people on board with the most experience is somewhat of a mystery to me. I know that if I if I fell into substantial amounts of money and was daft enough to buy a boat, I'd certainly <laughs> be employing the people that could that could best do the job. No no question about it. Yeah, because in an emergency, as you say, these are I'll use the term trolley dollies, which is a horrible term, but I'll, I'll use that. They're they're not just that. I mean, these are trained people especially in the airlines they're trained for in an emergency here's what you do here's how you manage the the passengers here how you get them all safely it's the same on a yacht in an emergency you know they get their tickets they go through immense training not just to serve drinks in the salon but if there's an emergency every single crew member um is potentially a lifesaver Absolutely, yeah, I agree. um, If I go back to the opening story again, I actually put the link to the flight deck date the voice recorder on the um, of the you know the incident of 10 years ago and if you just actually listen to that real recording the way that the captain handled just how incredibly calm he was throughout what was clearly a you know a very very challenging situation and i think you know i put that link in deliberately because i wanted I, I was trying to encourage anyone that hadn't actually heard it um the People who may have seen the recent film, I think the transcript was was pretty accurate, if not exactly spot on. But to actually hear the real life recording of what happened, I think was very, very poignant. And it says an awful lot about how that person of great experience managed this very, very difficult situation. And I'm quite sure that an awful lot of people without that lifelong experience could simply would not have handled it as well as he did. So to counter the argument or be a devil's advocate, there was an article I talked about recently um, about millennials and the positive side of millennials because we had talked about some of the challenges with millennials with work ethic and keeping retaining them on board. The counter argument to this in Forbes was that the younger crew are, um, if they like their job, if they're happy with their job, they're very good at um, being focused and, and keeping with it. But there's also an innovative flexibility with the younger people, to use the general what term. What do you mean by that? So um, this is looking outside of the yachting industry, but in, in companies, the positives of having younger people is that they tend to be more innovative. They tend to be, um, they're looking for job satisfaction. They're not as happy as the generation before who were quite happy to stick with the job, get their salary, come home at the end of the day. They may have stayed for longer, but the younger generation are wanting the the perfect job. And when they get the perfect job, they stick with it. The challenge is, is it takes some time as we all know to find the perfect job so uh, looking at one of the 
possible challenges with this is that maybe older crew are less flexible or um, more set in their ways, which makes it more difficult to manage them or deal with them. Just to be devil's advocate to your devil's advocacy, <laughs> if I may. <laughs> I remember, and, and you're absolutely right there, pre-late 80s, you got a job for life. And I remember coming out of school in the, in the <clears throat> early 80s, and the concept was that you, you, you go to you know, be, become an accountant or um, get a job, and the, uh, the, 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 the real one you wanted to get was um, in the civil service. And it was always viewed as a job for life. And I remember in the late 80s, early 90s, um, I was working in corporate banking in the UK, in London, in the city. And around then, you had this emergence of a new concept. And I remember, like, there'd be whispers and people would go, oh, this is what you should do now, which was you take a job for two years, you get the experience, um, but after that, after about two years, then you go out and sell your CV again. And the reason being is that in doing that, you can up your salary by about 10, 15% and possibly up your position uh, in the company. And so the, the drive then was by having this quick rotation. It was less about long-term career progression. It was more about getting more money by flipping jobs. I'm not sure if that's, and maybe I, I can ask you again, if that's similar in the super yacht world where you're thinking, okay, I'll do a, a season or two seasons on this boat, and then I'll put my CV out there, accelerate myself. And, and you know, you've seen captains now much, much younger, where before it, there was a long progression in your career before you got to be on the bridge, before you took the helm. But now it seems, you know, I, I've met captains in their late 20s and they're in charge of, of 50, 80 meter boats. Yeah, I think um, something that happened um, years and years ago when I was, um, was doing my courses at Wasash, um, I met a, I think we might have discussed this off air after last week's session, I met a guy who was, he was no more than about 28. Uh, he was staying in the same place I was and we were just chatting over breakfast. Um, I asked him what he was doing and he said he was um, he was just preparing for his, his Master Unlimited Orals. And I, I said, look, no disrespect, but how old are you? <laughs> and, and he told me he was only 28 or something and I was I was somewhat shocked. But he, he very quickly went on and said, he said, no, look, don't, don't think I'm going to have a command anytime soon. He says, it will probably take me five years before or, you know, any company that I'm likely to work for is going to put me in command of my own vessel. And I thought that was quite an interesting concept rather than the way that things very often happen in yachting, which, again, I've, I've illustrated in some detail in some of these articles that I've written. You may have someone who has very limited experience, but just because circumstances happen to be in their favor, they end up in, in command of a, of a substantial vessel with very, very limited experience, albeit they have they may have um, a piece of paper that you know satisfies the the legal requirements but it, it, this happens very frequently in yachting it very seldom happens in the commercial world so who's to blame for this the i think a lot of people would like to apportion blame with the insurance companies because insurance companies will generally just want to see that legal requirements are met and that someone has for example a master you know an mca master 500 or a or a you know an mca master 3000 ticket but they may have very little experience i've been asked in a couple of occasions to um actually be involved with insurers to pass on information to them in terms of who may or may not be suitable for a yacht and basically they in my own experience they just want to see have they got the ticket um and especially if it's a if it's a private vessel there's a, then there's much less to consider if it's a private vessel rather than a than a commercial vessel additionally i think there is an issue with some management companies because Especially if they, especially if they're involved in brokerage as well as management, they may have something of an alternative agenda, 
and they perhaps are sometimes more interested in not rocking the boat with their client and it may on occasions suit them if they have a younger less experienced captain who's going to be more malleable and more compliant to their wishes rather than necessarily looking after ultimately what's best for uh, the owner's best interests or the vessel. Is there also a financial aspect? Um, do younger crew or younger captains uh, expect less or accept a smaller salary than those with experience? I think you could generally say that, but as one of, a, you know, probably nothing short of an armada of older captains looking around for a job at the moment, um, I think right here, right now, I don't think you could say that because there are a substantial number of well-experienced captains that are very, very keen to take on a new command. So I think the, the market forces are such at the moment that, you know, if you want to save some money, you don't necessarily have to go for the guy who's, you know, who's just passed out of um you know is training with a with a new ticket when there are so many well experienced captains that are currently very keen to to get back on board again and do you think they'd accept a, a lower salary in order to get a position i know i would because you know, i've been out of work for a very substantial amount of time and you know ultimately we all have to keep roofs over our head yeah no question about it uh, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm sorry if that upsets anyone, you know, the, the type of people that complain about having to drive salaries down. But when you've got very well experienced people that have been out of work for a substantial amount of time, then you can expect them to, you know, to lower their own expectations because we, we all need to work. So has there been a change in the past 10 or 15 years in um, because I think this was less of an issue a decade ago? Is it also because of, you mentioned management companies and possibly it's, they find the younger captains more malleable or flexible. Is there also a change because those hiring are management companies or captains um, hiring crew or crew agencies or the owners themselves? So in what do you think has been the biggest change over the past decade? Or is it just because there's a lot more people coming into the industry now, trained up with their certificates, so to speak? I, I think the, the, the main issue is probably the fact that there are, there are so many captains. Um, you know, so many people, are the, as you say, have come into the industry. They've started at the bottom, they've worked their way up, they've got their, um, they've got their qualifications. And there are, you know, there are simply way too many captains, given the number of yachts that need captains at present. Um, things are a little bit uneasy economically and it seems that people are very much sticking with their jobs at the moment there's you know there's not a great deal of activity in the captain market and i think we we mentioned um, again it was possibly off air last week some you know some noticeable changes in um what what i've noticed over the last 18 months anyway in terms of uh what what employers recruiters are looking for in terms of the the captain jobs that are that are available do you think there should be some some sort of tighter control giving out tickets you know i mean theoretically i i've been an i've been an advocate of tighter regulation since the day i got my own master's ticket because i was shocked at how easy it was and i've been an advocate of tighter control since then i wrote an article which is supposed to be published this week for the super yacht investor website and i think though may people a lot of people may subconsciously be aware of it. Um, they, they may need to read this just to remind them of the reality of the situation. Um, so I, I, the articles, it should be out this week as far as I know. I'll, I'll send you over the link to that when it's, when it's done. But it's about, the, it's about the lack of any formal teaching, training or examination after um, someone who's following the deck route has passed their RYA Yachtmaster offshore exam, which is, you know, you can do in a 30 foot 
sailing yacht in the Solent and the fact that there is no need to actually have any physical hands-on manoeuvring skills that you are examined on by the time you get your, your MCA Master 500 or go on to 3000. So and I checked my facts with that before I wrote it just in case anything's changed. Like, for example, just to use the comparison of, of flying, um, when you are flying, you have to clock up X number of flying hours before you can do your certificate, before you... Um, you know, coming from previously the medical profession, you have to clock up your hours as essentially an apprentice at learning the ropes from the ground up. Yeah, no, you still have to do that. I mean, you, you, you have to obviously meet the required standards to attain your certificates in the first instance, and then you have to carry on um, meeting the required standards to to revalidate these COCs at the, the, the five-year period. What I'm saying is that if you're following the route to become a large yacht captain, once you have actually passed your RYA exams up to um, Yacht Master Offshore, that is the last time that you are actually overseen and examined in your physical ability to handle a vessel. Okay? There's nothing above that. The MCA do not get involved in any kind of physical examination for your you know, ability to maneuver a vessel. They, they will ask you a question about it probably when you sit your oral exams, um, but there's nothing actually involved in the physical part of the thing. And this, this is the article that I've, I've just written for the, the Super Investor site. So from that aspect of it, um, along with others, I'd, I've, been, I've been an advocate of, of tighter regulation and examination for a very long time because I you know the simple answer to your question is yes it is too easy in my opinion is well I, I just was wondering if if there is a, a looking at kind of a, a apprenticeship and if people have less experience surely there are possibly more accidents happening now you see some really shining ones particularly in in the more commercial side every now and then you're but do you know by any chance if there's any increase in accidents or bumps or bruises or whatever in the yachting industry over the past couple of years? There's a lot more yachts on the water, but proportionately, has there been any change? I don't think there's been any dramatic increase. Um, yachting is actually considered by the insurers to still be a fairly low risk sector there's a couple of things happened in the last um, couple of years that are going to in, in, increase premiums significantly possibly but um, not necessarily related to accidents in yachting fire at the lurson yard it's, it's, it's quite an interesting one it's been slightly off topic here but uh, many would actually consider that not to being shall we say a marine incident because it happened in a you know in a shore based facility what but if I'm not the mistaken fire that uh, the fire at Lurson mm. um, but I believe if I'm not mistaken the underwriters are it, it is being dealt with as a, as a sort of marine casualty and that's going to have um, very significant impact potentially um, in terms of accidents you know, I'm, I'm sure pretty much everyone's listening is fairly aware with what ha you know what has happened in yachting over the last few years. But I think statistically, it's still considered to be a very low risk sector. Mm. Um, and sadly, it, it, you know, as as with these things, as they often are, it takes it's, it takes some tragic event before um, you know people will enough people will sit up and listen to try and to try and affect change. And it's not just captains, though, is it? I mean, you're seeing ageism throughout. I, I would imagine interior crew as well. Once you get to a certain age as a, a stewardess uh, or a steward, uh, you find it increasingly more difficult to get a job. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as I say, this 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 response article um, was you know doesn't touch on captains at all. I wrote the whole thing about um, the other the other crew members on board. You know, I started off with a comparison of um, I think I had I've got about seven bullet points of what employers may seem to be the negatives of older crews. I mean, I, I can bring them off if if if, if that's of interest. You yeah, know, I to, think so. To see. I th uh, First off, possible concerns about how they, how they will, you know, older crew will fit in with a younger crew. So let's say if you've, you know, already got an established crew and you need to replace one crew member. Um, physical appearance clearly comes into it, particularly if it's, you know, it's females on the, on, on the interior side. I don't think anyone's going to deny that. Um, possible 
possibly less flexible and lack of compliance, more set in their ways and not, not quite so likely to yield to coercion. Next one, the kind of old dogs, new tricks kind of scenario possibly more likely to clash with management or not or owners reps now obviously looking at more senior there maybe maybe a chief engineer for example you may get somewhat more of a clash there um with you know if there's a management company or a, an owner's rep that's perhaps not as competent as you might like them to be um possibly a bit less enthusiastic than younger crew and possibly more likely to show up those with less experience um including critically a, a young a captain and or a manager so that was the that was the seven main points i'm not saying by any means that list is exhaustive yep. but that was just seven you know principal things that i could think of that uh, you know a person in the, the 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 hiring food chain would think about um in terms of you know why they might see see the older crew member more negative i then set about writing another bullet point list which was considerably longer <laughs> which i considered to be the um the positive sides of hiring hiring a much more experienced elder crew member well can i um say one of the we had a discussion last week on friday which we will be re-airing this evening and it was looking at mental health in the industry one of the big things that came up was the importance of leadership on board the importance uh, and i actually read an article about a month ago from three different captains talking about this as well is that as a captain your role isn't just about commanding the boat it's also being a team leader and and taking on sometimes a, a father manager. role, a people manager, but also taking on a paternal role, role, so to speak, in minding your crew and taking care of them. And that is difficult to do at 28, to be honest. It's difficult to be a parent at 28. Absolutely. Let I, alone... I um, could not agree more. I've written already about this extensively, and I've already got... Um, a couple more articles in my folder of you know works that I'm currently uh, articles I'm currently working on, and it, it, parenting. Uh, you, I have certainly had to play a massive parenting role in vessels that I've worked on, um, and it doesn't always necessarily come from the youngest crew members on board either. Mm -hmm. um, you know, some that are you know certainly beyond 25 still need an awful lot of looking after because they have very little life experience and because of the very unique characteristics of what we do in this particular part of the maritime sector i mean it's even it's very different from um at any other part of the maritime sector if you work on a commercial vessel for example uh, there's a whole different set of uh, issues here that come come with it and the leadership, the parenting, the mentoring are hugely important in my opinion. And I think that any captain that can't do this, doesn't want to do it, can't find the time to do it, they are clearly in the wrong job because it is a fundamentally important part of what a captain has to do. Now, I'm not saying that that is necessarily how it should be if people were mentally stronger, if they were all, you know, highly trained and highly experienced, then you probably wouldn't need to do as much of this as, as I found I've had to do. Uh, but a lot of it is driven by the quality or lack of quality and the lack of specific skill set experience and the lack of general life experience that many captains have to, I'll, I'll use the term loosely, endure on board mm -hmm. because they are not crude to the level that they would perhaps like to be. So it's a you know it's a hugely important part of the job. I personally take it very very seriously. I think we've you know, we've mentioned that before. I put a great deal of effort into it because it's it's a responsibility it's as much part of the job as as the more day-to-day -day, you know running the ship is well i think that was one of the big things that came up we were talking with uh Aizwan were part of the discussion and they had done a survey and um it is shown that there is a lot of stress on board with crew um there is a lot of harassment you know whether it's sexual or just harassment over half of females reported to feeling yeah. harassment on board and this is having a big effect on mental health 
and we also had a, a captain, Captain William Gould, who was talking, and he said, I was lucky enough 20 years ago in my training that I was given some training on helping people management and noticing signs of people undergoing stress or anxiety or, you know, going on to depression. Um, but it is, it is, I think, a, a huge part of the job and something that doesn't necessarily happen in your early training. You, you get your certificates, but there isn't, I, I know that there is a, a course, um, uh, health uh, and well-being management, but it's not a requirement. It's something you can do extra. So um, I think that side of it and the leadership side of it is a huge part of why experience plays a big part it is and it it is very much and you know if you're only 20 years 28 years old you know with with all due respect you cannot have a tremendous amount of experience in that field and it's very very important the 15 16 17 18 years ago i came across um a vessel she was about i'm gonna say 40 between 45 to 50 meters um a sailing vessel and she had a very young captain on board and while they were pottering around in coastal waters nobody none of the other crew seemed that concerned about it they then um had to go off on you know a kind of at least halfway around the world trip and um several of the crew just jumped ship because they didn't have they just did not have any confidence in the captain you know the, the, the captain there was four or five crew on board the vessel that were older than the captain because mm-hmm. they just though they felt he was competent enough in a you know in a, a, a much closer to you know safe haven um things over on the long term you know when you're, you're you're literally so far offshore you've got nobody really to come and help you and in most cases that will be the case and i mean and just just to balance this argument a bit um look don't I'm not saying that it's always the case that an older crew member or captain specifically is better, but let's not confuse age and experience with crash stupidity. Um, I only need to mention two or, in fact, even one word, and you'll know what I'm talking about. Um, you know, if we say the word Costa and we're not talking coffee, mm-hmm. everybody knows what comes next. Um at the time that incident happened, that guy's approximately the age I am now. But you know, oh. I've studied it in detail, um, um, and it was This crashed. is the guy who who went right up close, so he could wave hello to yeah, yeah. his wife and yeah. kid. There you go. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's just I, funny enough. I'm thinking of our friend Costas, <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, what? <laughs> what has he to do with it? <laughs> <laughs> not you, Costas. Uh, so you know, I'm I'm not you know I'm, I'm, you know to balance the argument here. I'm not saying that it's always the case, um, mm. but that's why I said let's not confuse age and experience with absolute stupidity well, well the one thing, um, the one thing you, you do learn in this industry is you know planning for that eventuality that extreme and there's a lot of training goes on in teaching you things that you you hopefully will never ever have to execute in that scenario where lives are in your hands uh, you're on the open waters and uh, an extreme situation occurs that that you've got to react to and take command and be convincing as a commander in, yeah. in, in, in saving lives. So much of that stuff that is going to be so critically important to you should any such situation arise, I believe a great deal of it is going to come from your general life experience and not just your experience in a in a specific given role. Yeah, no, I think true. having a, you know, one, one, anyone who's read any of my stuff in any detail, you know, a phrase that I use frequently is having a wide and deep level of knowledge over a multitude of subject matters, not just knowing how to navigate a ship, how to do this on a ship, how to do that on a ship, but having an extensive skill set and an extensive knowledge base, which doesn't happen overnight and this is why i think general lifetime experience experience in other industries can be vitally important in running a successful ship because what happens with a lot of the the, the younger crew that have you know come not long sorry we seem to have a pause at the moment little pause in our connection. connection so please stay tuned we are going to be right back with you in a few minutes we're just going to move to some music from Palma de Mallorca to the global super yacht community super yacht radio 
And that's the beauty of live radio. Apologies for the interruption. Uh, yes. But picking back up the conversation, back to you, Ian. You were about to say something before we got rudely interrupted. Yeah, what I was um, what I was about to say there, if you have a crew member who has come directly into yachting not long after school, even as they progress a little bit, they become more experienced, they become more skilled in their specific skills, they, they are accruing more general life experience. But if that's all they've ever done, they can still have a relatively blinkered view and it doesn't lead to being particularly open-minded about things. So with a lot of people that have had considerable life experience before they get into yachting or that have, again, accrued more life experience whilst they've been in yachting, but have come from other life experiences, you tend to have people that have just got this greater broader deeper experience which i think is very valuable because it you know it's much more conducive to sort of looking at things from a different perspective you know thinking outside the box sometimes a bit more it's not so blinkered yeah no i agree um actually i'll bring in one of my life experiences uh, and not not wishing to sound like i'm making light of the situation but um our third daughter when she was being uh, born she came very quickly uh, she didn't didn't mess around and um when she was born it was a little bit of a difficult birth we were dave was the midwife as I, it turned I, out i was the midwife i was i was we were up the side of a mountain where we lived and um i had to deliver the child uh, very quickly but when she was born um she hadn't started breathing and okay i'm this doesn't make light of it but in that situation, I, uh, Maeve was a, a doctor. I've read many medical stuff. I've seen medical things, but in Tanked that up em- a lot of my <laughs> my projects. <laughs> but in that emergency situation, the first thing that came to mind was a Walt Disney cartoon of a hundred and one Dalmatians, and there was a scene in it where he's bringing one of the puppies back to life, as it were. It, 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 my point is this: that in an emergency situation, you don't just go back to what you've learned in books or schooling. You pull on every different life situation, everything you've learnt in that path, no matter how abstract and how ridiculous it might seem. But yep. you, you know, you don't have time to do a Google search on stuff. You have yep. to pull from what's in your head and what you've been exposed to. As, as crazy as it might seem, that was what came into my mind at that moment was, there's a situation that I saw, this is how it was dealt with. And stay calm. And I'll stay calm and apply that. Yep. And thankfully, it worked and everything worked out beautifully. And we've now got a lovely daughter who moves a lot slower. <laughs> um, but it is, but it's, it's I- crucial. I'm a great believer that, as I say, this, you know, this this vast range of lifetime experiences is is so important. Um, I've got I've got my list of points that, you know, positives for the older crew members. Um, It's just bullet point stuff here. If you'd like me to to rattle through them, you know, just to give an idea. So generally, this is the one at the top, generally have vast and very, very importantly, varied experience, generally little or nothing to prove. Generally, less attitude, more likely to know and appreciate that they're onto a good thing, much more stable in their roles, less likely to jump ship, can be excellent teachers and mentors, much more respect for chain of command, probably more disciplined in general, generally take less, if any, training day-to-day tasks, much less likely to complain about things, much more happy to be at sea for extended periods of time probably less likely to have a conniption fit if the internet goes down for more than three minutes probably happy much, it does. <laughs> much much less reliant on technology in all forms more inclined to fix as opposed to replace better house trained and less likely to cause damage less troublesome in many senses uh, generally more consistent and reliable uh, more more skills and old school practices and techniques and younger crew less likelihood of issues with other crew on board in terms of interpersonal relationships probably more safety conscious usually better administrated administrators much more secure in their own perception of their own role generally more emotionally intelligent to a greater life experience that more used to doing what, what, what more <laughs> needs to be done 
generally need to spend a lot less time on them than they you do on their younger counterparts much greater understanding of obligations duty responsibility and accountability and less likely to bring drama with them on board so that was i mean it was just 27 points there that i you know just sat down and looked at my own experiences as what you know could be some positive aspects of having older more experienced crew over over their young counterparts there's two points which um maybe i missed them but two points there that, that i don't think you, you hit on which to me are, are pretty important one is the older more experienced captain has a much wider field of contacts within the industry yeah and so when you know in, especially in destination ports so when something needs to be done they often can call on people that the younger crew members have, have yet to meet and yeah, sure. uh, if you have guests or owners on board or just about to arrive uh, i think that could be crucial and, and the other thing which which I, I don't know if it was in your list there the older captain as an educator yeah that was in as mentor remember this this was the follow-up article yep. where i wasn't dealing with captains at all this was okay. specifically crew members but no i i did uh, in the list okay. there was very much the mentoring yeah. you know teaching, teaching supportive role because that's, yeah, that's important uh, from both perspectives but especially yep. for younger crew to to learn the tricks from the 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 more experienced ones i think is um you know that's that's something that you don't want to lose in the industry so, Ian, if, if I was a younger captain listening to this show, what would be your kind of mentoring couple tips of... Save this your is money, what, you might need it. This, yeah. There's that. What would be, or even younger crew, what would be your big focuses? You know, you're starting out, you're still quite young in your career. You've got the looks, you've got the personality, you've got your certificates. But bear this in mind. These are the things that, that you would really emphasize to bear in mind. I think a lot of emphasis away from your maritime skills. Um, you've got to pay a lot more attention to learning how to be a good leader and manager. Um, over-managing people, micromanaging people is as, is as bad, if not worse, than not managing them at all. Uh, you've got to learn the management skills. You've got to learn the business skills. You've got to really focus on all the, the, the non-maritime stuff. Presumably the MCA already believe that you're good enough at that, otherwise they wouldn't have given you a ticket. Um, that in itself could be debatable but that aside uh focus on the on the, the the people skills the business skills the management skills these are the crucially important ones and try as best you can to improve your own life experience outside of yachting as well uh, because it's going to give you a you know a broader a broader perspective to look at things it can be very easy to become extremely blinkered working on a boat i think can i ask so a that, question that would be yeah go ahead can I ask a question um we, we talk about the, the crew members the interior crew the deckhands the captains i'm wondering when it comes to the engineers do you see the same kind of ageism with the engineering side? Or do no, they actually the, go I for experience? I pointed this out in the article. Um, the, 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 I, I kind of separated things in the article. There are those that I imagine are, are much more susceptible to the bias. Um, and engineers are ones that can, you know, it, it, it's less likely to affect them. You know, they're locked away in their little spaces a lot of the time. Nobody gets to see them. And, you know, perhaps even the owners that, you know, prefer having a lot of eye candy around them, you know, they don't care about the engineer. And maybe they are at the back of the minds, well, yeah, I want my ship to run, you know, from a mechanical, electrical perspective as safely as possible. So they probably don't care because you know the, the the engineers are not that often seen in the you know the yeah. front line of the public eye on board um also chefs maybe can get away with it a little bit yeah, more as well. Chefs as well um but yeah then I, I i mentioned this specifically in the in the follow-up article that i wrote so yeah it doesn't affect everybody um you know to the same extent i shouldn't imagine but um it's, it's certainly the, the, the people that are more shall we say you know frontline customer facing mm -hmm. I do, I do definitely, actually know. Um, more of an issue. I know personally a crew member who actually was dismissed and was told the reason for his dismissal wasn't the quality of his work, but he was aesthetically displeasing to the owner's wife. 
Well, I hope he took that up with um, someone to help him with that. Uh, I, I think at the time it happened, uh, you, you just took it and you, you got another job. Um, well, but- this, this happens a lot in the industry. I mean, we all know people get, you know, get dismissed in ways that are clearly unlawful. Mm-hmm. And there seems to be a tremendous amount of ignorance around it. I know it's different. You know, it's complex, different flag states, what state your, your employment contract's in, etc. But there does, there does seem to be a general perception that, you know, you can just be fired in yachting and that's the end of it. Yeah, but, the, Which, uh, but that's the thing, that, um, that there is a perception that you'll be blackballed. If you complain, if you, if you try to um, go to the you know, Nautilus or one of, one of the authorities, uh, that you will not get another job. And... It's funny, we had a, um, a talk on with uh, Tim Cook uh, about um, about mental health. Tim Clark. Oh, sorry, Tim, Tim Clark. Clark. Um, about mental health in the industry. And uh, I raised the point with him that perhaps a lot of crew aren't speaking up about their mental problem because they're afraid if they take time that they need to get that sorted out, that when they come back looking for a job, they get blackballed. And Tim's reaction was, no, not at all. That's a fallacy. However, he did come back and say, if he knew the captain well, and he was doing a reference, if he heard that there had been a mental health issue, he would be less likely to put that person forward, A, because it would be unfair to the boat, and B, because he felt it might be unfair to the crew member. So... Or that maybe they weren't... Uh, and it was a valid point, but, you know, if you're suffering from mental problems, hmm. that maybe this is not the best industry for you. I would agree with you. It's, you yeah. know, it, if, if you have your own mental health issues and you're aware of them... Um, you know, then that that is unfortunate, and I have I have empathy for you. But perhaps for your own well-being, you would be better placing yourself in an environment that's not so difficult, challenging, and when you can be a long way from you know from help, and you're probably doing yourself a big favour by finding a, you know a position that might be more you know more conducive to your own men- state of mental health. Well, we're about two minutes to the top of the hour. Your final thoughts on on the subject. Um, final thoughts on the subject if I'm ever unfortunate enough to be in an aircraft that suffers a major technical failure <laughs> I, I want the next Chesley B. Sullenberger sitting in the left hand seat no ifs, no bots, no maybes and, and do you think um, do you think the, the, the organisations that um, you know, like MCA etc should uh, tighten up the, the, the giving of these um, tickets that they should perhaps look at a broader spectrum, not just you know, your sea time, but maybe looking at, at captains having more experience. Is there a way to police that? I, I don't think there is because the MCA's remit is clear. You know, they're concerned about um, the, the just safety and, mm. and also environmental issues now. So much of the critically important other stuff is now and always will be outside the remit of the MCA. Uh, and that's why it's so lacking because there is no one to make sure that it has to exist or that it should exist on board. Uh, there's no one to police it. And it, it should be down to the the owners, the managers, the recruiters to make sure that the people they're hiring have got all these other skills and not just the bits of paper that the MCA say that they ought to have. Absolutely agree with you. Super. Well, thank uh, you. Very valuable stuff there. So much for your time, as always, Ian. You're welcome. Font of experience and knowledge. Um, We will be sharing up on LinkedIn your article so that people can read a little bit more about what we're discussing today. I need to read the article. I'm very unprepared. Sorry about that. That was Ian Flockhart, experienced captain, part-time superyacht journalist. Thank you so much for your time today. And available for another position. And we'll talk to you (laughs) again soon. Yes, very much so. (laughs) As always, thank you again. Really appreciate your time. It's Ian Flockhart. Captain Ian Flockhart, you're listening to Super Yacht Radio. Time for the news.